Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of one-page books of the Bible. This week, our study is concentrated on the book of 2 John, which was written by the Apostle John sometime between AD 85 and 95. The theme of this book is truth and love, hence the title of this message. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he delivers today's portion of this week's message. Our current sermon series is Bible Postcards. Those are the one-page books of the Bible, and we're looking at working our way through all of them. We began with Obadiah in the Old Testament. We've spent two weeks on the book of Philemon. Notice I said single page. I didn't say single sermon. And our next one is the book of Second John. The other ones are Third John and Jude. And we're going to do a deep dive into Jude that I'm sure you've never heard before. Uh, to find Second John in your Bible, you might want to start at the end and Start working your way forward. The New Testament ends with 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. Like the other postcards of the Bible, 2 John suffers from neglect. In over a half century that I've been a Christian, uh, I'm not sure that I've ever heard a sermon on this book that I didn't preach, except for a cross-reference uh, here and there. Now, as with Philemon, when you see the background, this book is going to be pretty easy for you to understand. Second John is not complicated, but it is profound. Most of the debate around the book of Second John, and the same things apply to Third John, arises in verse 1. The book begins, John, uh, sorry, the elder to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. The big questions are, who is the elder, and who are the chosen lady and her children? Well, the difficulty arises primarily because the author of this letter, same as Third John, doesn't give any other hints about his identity except the elder. So whoever the elder was, he knew that the recipients of his writings would know exactly who he was when he used the term the elder. It was a nickname. So it was well known to his friends. Now, there have been a lot of silly ideas that have been propagated through the centuries, but there's one that fits the facts. The elder is John the Apostle. He's the brother of James. James and, John's are, uh, James and John are the two sons of a man named Zebedee. They were called sons of thunder. Uh, he is the author of the Gospel of John, the sequel to the Gospel of John, which is 1 John, this book, 3 John, and Revelation. So he, he wrote five books of 
the New Testament, second only to the Apostle Paul. And there's very strong evidence to support that, both from comparing the book to other writings that we know to be from John and from quotations and allusions to this book from the early church as early as the second century. So we do know that John was the last of the apostles to die, and the evidence is quite strong that he he didn't write his books of the Bible until around the time 85 to 95 or 96 A.D., Uh, The fact that a book as small as this was so rapidly circulated and quoted uh, tells us that there is strong attestation to the fact that everybody who was in the know knew this is an apostolic book from John himself. There's no reason to reject the long-standing tradition that this was written by John the Apostle late in his life. I don't know how much you can make of it, but he probably wrote John and then 1 John and then 2 John and then 3 John and then Revelation, but it makes no difference. You can get to heaven no matter what order you think they were written in. Next, we need to understand who is the chosen lady and her children. Depending on your translation, it might say the elect lady and her children, because the word chosen, the word elect, same Greek word, um, eklego, chosen by God. Now remember something that you've heard many times around here if you're a veteran of Heritage Bible Church. When you are reading something in the Bible, if the natural sense makes sense, there's no sense searching for any other sense. When something is plain, take it as plain. If it's symbolic, there will be tip-offs that it is symbolic. The commentaries on Second John are just rife with classic examples of violating that principle. What's the most natural sense? The Apostle John wrote this letter to a specific woman and to her children. I think it's safe to assume probably grown children, and therefore an extended family that was well known in that region. We also, I I think, can fairly surmise she was probably a widow because there's a lack of reference to a husband, which would have been typically the way that uh, a household would have been addressed. He did not use this woman's name, but then he didn't use his own name either. If her name was crucial... It would be a funny name, but if it was crucial that we know her name, uh, we would know it because it would be here. This lady and her family were, we can tell from the letter, given to hospitality. They were well known for ministering to fellow believers, and John wrote to caution them about the possibility of being ripped off by deceivers. This letter was considered so practical and important that it was quickly uh, passed around and shared with all the other believers. And in the providence of God, it was intended all along to become part of the Bible. That just makes sense. I would even be so bold as to say it's obvious, but you would be surprised how complicated people try to make it. Many say that the chosen lady is the church and her children are the members of the church. Now, why do they say that? Because they made it up 
absolutely out of thin air without one shred of evidence. The closest you can come to anything that you might call evidence is that the Greek word ekklesia, translated church, is grammatically feminine in form. And that means nothing. It doesn't, the church is never called a lady anywhere else. A lady is called a, a lady. So that doesn't mean anything. As a matter of fact, uh, as you work through this book, most of the time there are singular pronouns used, like in verse 4 and verse 13, a singular lady. That would be a very strange way to refer to, refer to a group of people like a congregation. When Paul wrote to churches, he addressed them with uh, plural uh, pronouns. So John was old. We know that he had many friends in the region in which he lived. There's very strong evidence that he lived in and around the region of Ephesus and uh, that that area known as um, uh, the Roman province of Asia. We would call it Asia Minor. It's mostly in the country of Turkey now. There was that cluster of cities with churches all founded during Paul's missionary journeys. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, uh, Philadelphia, Laodicea. There was also Colossae and and Heropolis. The book of Colossians was written to Colossae, and the book of Philemon went to a man in that church. That's where John lived for those years that he survived about 20 or more years beyond most of the rest of the apostles. Then he wrote these five books of the Bible late in his life. Now, there's an obvious theme word here. There are actually two or three theme words here, but I would say the one that rises to the, to the top is the word truth. And it's introduced in the first few verses there. We already read verse 1. We'll come back to it. But we can use the word truth as the basis for outlining the 13 verses of this book. Truth is the source of life. Truth is the rule of life. Truth is the boundary of love. Truth is the boundary of fellowship. And then truth, well, there's too much to say. So let's look at the beginning. I'll read the first three verses. Truth is the source of life. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, for the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Well, there's that theme word, truth. Uh, In his epistles, John often contrasts truth and lies, truth and falsehood, um, black and white, light and dark, Christ and antichrist. He's very skilled at writing in antitheses. And he talks about here the truth as opposed to uh, deception. And notice that Um, He says to be in the truth is to be a Christian. It's the same as to be in Christ. Notice how he equates truth with Jesus Christ. He says, the truth abides in us. That's certainly true of Christ. Christ abides in us. We abide in Him. And then he says, truth will be with us forever. Well, Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave you or I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So John's going to say to this dear lady and her family, there are many deceivers over out there. They make lies sound good. And you need to know that the source of eternal life 
is the truth which is embodied in Jesus Christ. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.